It's trade deadline season, folks, and we are in our second episode here on the Bruins Daily Podcast, our first ever episode talking about the trade deadline. Welcome aboard. I'm Tim Rosenthal, and with me, as always, is Matt Castle. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. It's that time of year again. How are you? I'm doing all right. We have our phones here. We're refreshing our feeds to see if Chris Kreider, Kyle Palmieri, Joe Thornton, or Ilya Kovalchuk will be coming to the Bruins anytime soon. Yeah, I'm, uh, I haven't stopped for the past three days, and I won't stop until the trade deadline or even after the trade no, deadline. Because no. last year, Marcus Johansson came in after the deadline. So Yes, of course, as long as the announcement, it can still be announced after 3 o'clock, but as long as the trade is made before then and the details are finalized before 3 o'clock, then everything's off. Absolutely. So we'll see what Don has in store for us this year, I guess. I don't know, you know, and he's already behind the eight ball a little bit with the Tyler Toffoli and even the Brendan Dillon trade yesterday. They were in on Blake Coleman, too, as well. So, you know, he's over three right now, but, you know, he wasn't going to hit a home run all the time with these trades. And considering what these teams gave, what Vancouver, Tampa Bay, and even Washington gave up for those assets, it seems like there's a pretty steep um, price to pay there. Mm-hmm. I agree. So um, without further ado, you want to get into it? Yes, but before we do, actually, we want to thank all our listeners who downloaded the first episode of our podcast, the Charlie McAvoy podcast. Now, man, we got a lot of feedback off of that. What did you think from, our, from the feedback we received? Most of it was good. I would say almost all of it was good. No one booed us, which is always a plus. And people have been calling us a good luck charm because Charlie McAvoy is up to three goals this year. Two in the last two games. He even got a lucky bounce at MSG on Sunday, and I was there to witness that, even though it should have been credited to Chris Wagner. I think we can all agree on that. Absolutely. And I don't think it's a coincidence they scored two in the last two games. So credit to us, really. Yeah, for sure. And I'm sure we're going to get a little bit more credit because we're going to write about that Chris Wagner partnership with Harbour. Poon Brewery on Bruins Daily coming up, but we might even have something special for you as well toward the end of this podcast with Harpoon and whatnot. So are you looking forward to this episode here? Absolutely. Let's do it. Well, cheers. And here we go. The second ever Bruins Daily podcast featuring the 2020 trade deadline. Well, another busy trade deadline season is here, and we looked at last year at how beneficial those moves were for Don Sweeney, the Charlie Coyle trade, the Marcus Johansson trade. We saw one deal with Charm with Charlie Coyle. Yeah, a couple years left. We had saw another deal with Marcus Johansson, who was here on a rental. So in this discussion, there's more rentals than there are guys with Charm who are at least rumored on the block. But in general, how do you feel? Do you like the guys who have a little bit of Charm? coming in at the deadline or do you think the rentals are a little more beneficial to be honest i think this year rentals kind of take precedent just because of how last year ended and this veteran core is getting older Mm -hmm. so you don't know how much more they have left in the tank or how many more runs they have at a cup so i think the way they they look at it is if they're gonna go for it you have to really go for it you can't it's it's all or nothing, you know what I mean? 
Yes, for sure. And then on the flip side, those rentals could be here long term. We saw last year the Mark Stone trade to Vegas. What happened the day he got traded? He signed an extension. I don't think that's going to happen with this Bruins team, just given the current cap situation. But say a guy like a Kyle Palmieri were to come to Boston or some of the other names, maybe not Marquis, but would you be open to seeing Sweeney sign them to maybe a one-year extension, maybe, if, if that was a deal breaker? Possibly. I mean, I would love to sign Chris Kreider. If we could fit him under the cap, yeah. absolutely. I think he'd be amazing. He'd be the winger that uh, David Krejci has long awaited. He's a he's a legitimate top six talent that if you could re-sign him, it would be amazing. Now, will they? Can they? Those are different. Those are different questions for another day. But we'll we'll see. I mean, Chris Kreider is definitely the blue chip prospect on the market right now for the Bruins. If they could land him and not give up the whole farm system, that would be a massive win for Don Sweeney. And I think it would put them as a legitimate number one favorite to win the cup. And they're already in first place in the NHL. So, I mean, I don't know. Do you think they can get Kreider? I think it's realistic. If you looked at the report from TSN, it's between the Bruins and the Avalanche. It seems like it's a two-team race. I wouldn't be surprised if another team were to uh, get into that race there, knowing this type of season, knowing the rumors that come out, knowing that some deals might be off the table the moment any report comes out. You know what I'm saying? So with Kreider, I think the Bruins are a favor. I think he'd welcome uh, coming back home where he played his college hockey at B where he was from Boxford, he was born in Boxford. I think there's something intriguing about that, especially given the hometown talent on this team already. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, everyone knows the Bruins love hometown kids, so adding another Massachusetts native is just a cherry on top. He has the skill of a, a top six winger. I mean, he's in the fastest skater race almost every year, and he's, he's a bona fide goal scorer. So he's up up to 42 points, I think, this year so far through 57 games, over 20 goals. And that's something that would really bolster Boston's top six because DeBrus can score, Krejci can score, and you know the top line can score. But that right winger position, they just lacked consistency, and uh, he would definitely provide that. Now, here's the problem right now with Kreider, and this is a knock on him. He's at left wing. He might be a low versatile. I don't know if how much right wing he's playing at the NHL level, but that could steer Sweeney away a little bit, depending on how much Bruce Cassidy would have to maneuver the lines just to fit Kreider if he were to stay at left wing. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. But if you've seen the Bruins this season, they've played everyone just about everywhere. I mean, Sean Corrales playing third line left wing. He's not a third-line left winger. He's a centerman. He's a fourth-line centerman. But they played Bjork on the left, on the right, DeBrus left, right, up, down. You never know where they're going to play. So I think that wouldn't be too much of an issue. I think they would welcome they would welcome Chris Kreider and, and make it work. So, I mean, I think the real problem with Kreider is the price. I mean, we've talked about it. You've been seeing what some of these guys like Blake Coleman have been going for, Tyler Toffoli. People have been giving up – a good chunk and change and I think Kreider's a better prospect than those guys I just said so I think you're looking at a first round pick and a top prospect for starters and I don't know 
if Don Sweeney's going to pull the trigger. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, it depends on the type of prospect that has to go the Rangers' way. Don't forget the Rick Nash trade in 2018. Yes, they gave up the first-round pick. But the prospects that they gave up, Ryan Lindgren, we saw on Sunday, tried to agitate Brad Marchand a little bit. Pretty good defensive defenseman. I don't know how he's going to be at the NHL level. Ryan Spooner. Uh, didn't pan out in New York. Matt Bolesky, of course, was toward the end of really the end of his career there. And um, the Bruins had retained some salary, but the Rangers also had retained a little bit of salary in that Rick Nash trade as well. Now, uh, Sweeney hasn't had really had a successful run trading with the Rangers. You know where he's really had a successful run. And maybe uh, this is just one short sample size. That trade with Owen Hansen last year with the Devils. They give up a second round pick for him. Now, we thought that might have been a little much on the surface the day he got traded, but overall, uh, throughout that his brief tenure in Boston, I would say he was well worth that second round pick. That was a fantastic trade. Both of those trades Don Sweeney did last year for Johansson and Charlie Coyle. First off, Johansson came out of nowhere. So we didn't see that one coming. Charlie Coyle was on our radar. Um, but Johan- very low on the radar, probably like the mid-teens on all the trade target lists, but he, he was on the Bruins' radar for sure. Yeah, I mean, obviously, since they, they picked him up, but um, I don't think most of the fan base, or I, I wasn't expecting Johansson to be in a Bruins jersey after the trade deadline, no. but he was, and I think he was a great addition, had great chemistry um, with Krejci and the third line, too. It just worked out really well, and... I don't know. Do you think they need do you first off, do you think the Bruins need to make a move at this deadline? I I do. I really do. Because as we said, the cup window with these veterans is a little short. Now the cup window overall, just given the prospects that they have, I think it's a little longer. But you won't win with Bergeron. You won't win with David Krejci. You really won with when with uh, Zdeno Chara because he's um, got what one two three years left tops Bergeron Krejci Marchand and Tuca a little longer but with Chara it's much shorter than the other veterans left over from that 2011 team so yes I do think this is the year they really want to go for it and you look at Tampa with that Coleman trade I think they gave up a lot but it's a signal that they're going for it as well it seems like they go for it every year but now I think they're really going for it because they're red hot and they have something improve after last year i agree with you and also this is news for everyone but mainly bruins fans the road to the stanley cup is not going to be as easy as it was last year you're gonna need some firepower now the bruins do have it if if that top line's clicking because i mean david Pasternak can score with the best of them but you're not getting um columbus carolina as like a cakewalk to the Stanley Cup final. You're probably going to be playing um, Tampa Bay in the second round or Toronto if they can get out of the first round. But that's that's a different topic for another day. If Toronto can even make the playoffs these days, I mean, we, we don't know if Florida's going to catch them yet. That, that would be the team. But it would be interesting to see what they do. They're usually pretty active at the trade deadline as well. They could be very much a sleeper. And very much, if they get that first-round matchup with Tampa Bay, that's an in-state rivalry. That's going to be red hot. And I would not be surprised if that came down to the wire either. But, of course, 
like we said, we'll talk about that in future podcasts. Now, we talked a lot about Kreider. A name a little lower on the list is Kyle Palmieri. We know New Jersey's in a fire sale. They've done it since the Taylor Hall trade. And what prom- what we thought was going to be a promising season after drafting Jack Hughes top, uh, with the top overall pick, after trading for P.K. Subban, they had all the talent. Look at them now. They're close to dead last in in the league. They're just trading away everything. Taylor Hall earlier this year, they're looking to get rid of Palmieri. So here's the thing with Palmieri. Uh, If the Bruins are going to really go for it, I would want them to go for Chris Kreider. Mm -hmm. I think he's a proven commodity in this league. And I think if you're really going to put all your chips in the table, you go for Kreider. But it, it is dependent on price because I think... Kreider is going to be a little more expensive, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Now, for Kreider, if Jack Studnika is even in the discussion, no, no, I'm out. I'm you out. You might be out on Eurovakanen too. It depends on what else is involved in that trade. But other than that, I think everything, all the prospects are wide open. I, I certainly think he'll part with that first round pick if he has to. I think. You're absolutely right. I'm not giving up Jack Stunica for all of King Midas's silver. That he's just he's an untouchable for the Bruins. You cannot trade him. That kid's going to be so good for the Bruins long term. Um, but I'm willing. I'm willing to give up a first round pick and any of those prospects, like an Oscar Steen. Mm-hmm. Would you give up a Lauko? I might give up a Lauko. Yes. But, uh, and of course, right now he's going through this injury, you know, a tough injury, and all the best to him as he recovers. But I might give up Alauco, even though he's very talented. I think he has a bright future. But I don't know. You know who I give up? I give him a first-round pick, and I give him Trent Frederick. I don't see Trent Frederick pushing his way through this system. No. I could be wrong. But if you look at the Bruins' center depth, right now they have four bona fide studs at center. With Bergeron, Krejci, Coyle, and Corrali. Then you got Par Lindholm. I don't know how long he's going to be here. But then, well, he's your 13th forward. Yeah. Essentially. Then you have Jack Stunica. Yeah. And then you go down the list. Trent Frederick, I, I don't know if he's going to be there. JFK still waiting in the bounce, although I don't think he's going to be an NHL player anytime uh, soon. No, no. He's back with Sweden right now. I, I do think the Bruins retain his rights, but I would involve him. If there is a possibility to involve him in a package, you might include him as well. So that that's really the thing for the Bruins. It's balancing how much of your future you're giving up for a cup run this year. Like for the Tyler Toffoli trade, they gave up a decent amount. Uh, and you look to at Lantin. Vancouver already, though. You look at some of the young studs that they have already. Elias Patterson, for example. Quinn Hughes, he's going to be in the Calder Trophy running. Brock Besser. My God, they're, um, they're young and talented already. They might be ready for the postseason. I think they're going to have a bright future. We talked about this a little bit on the first podcast because that was the game I think McAvoy still had the best game of the season against Vancouver, and they came in red hot at the time. Yeah, and I I think all these teams are making moves. So the Canucks gave up Tim Schaller, Tyler Madden, Northeastern Zone, who's yeah. a stud. That guy's so yeah. good at hockey. Like, I watched him earlier. I went to scout um, Maine's goalie, Jeremy Swayman, yep. and they were playing at Northeastern. So I stopped by. Um, guy was fantastic. I think he had a hat trick at the game I went to. He's, so that's that's the thing you have to balance. I, I'm not giving up Jack Stunica. No. I'm not giving no. him up. 
And I think, I don't know where Madden is on the Vancouver rankings, if he's the top one like Stranika is, but yeah, you can't give up Stranika. But Tim Schaller, another former Bruin. Another uh, guy who could fill a fourth line role uh, pretty well if um, L.A. were to swing him in a deal as well. It all comes back to Causeway Street. Another prospect on the radar I've seen a lot of people have is Josh Anderson from Columbus. What are your thoughts on him? Well, our own Erin Rawls uh, wrote this a couple weeks back. I think she did a pretty good job at that. Now, Anderson is more of a veteran than he is a prospect at this point of his career. But uh, I like what he did previously in his first few seasons. He seemed to progress every year. This year, a bit of an anomaly. Only one goal and three assists, albeit in an injury-plague season. But I think right now... That might not be worth the risk. I think he's uh, supposed to come back soon, but um, do you have enough of a scouting report, even with his previous few seasons, as well as he did has played, and as well as he played in that playoff series against the Bruins in the second round? Do you have enough of a scouting report to convince yourself he could help fill that top six role, or even a third line role, if they were to move Charlie Coyle up to the second line. I think you're exactly right. I think his production's so low. Like what the Bruins need, they don't need a third liner. I think their third line's good. They need a top six guy that can really put him over the top. And I don't think Josh Anderson's your guy. He might be the cheapest guy that they could pick up, but I don't know if he's going to improve your team, and that's what you're trying to do with a trade. Yes. You're trying to get better, and I don't know if Josh Anderson puts you over the top. Is Josh Anderson better than Carson Coleman? I don't think so. I honestly do not think so. Well, it, it depends on how you're trying to rate the two. I think Coleman gives you that energy, and I think he's starting to come along a little bit offensively, but I don't think he's your long-term answer for a top six. I think eventually he'll slide back into that third-line role. Now, having said that, another name that I don't think he's rumored to be on the market, but would you want to part with a Danton Heinen? He's a subject of ridicule in this city, after all. It depends who I'm getting back. If I'm giving up Dan Hine, I better be getting something good back. So if I if, if is, is this where the buyer beware remorse comes in too, because everyone say, oh, you trade Dan Hine and you could get something in return. What well, that return doesn't pan out, like a Rick Nash, because he could have been involved in that trade package a couple of years ago. Here's the thing: the Bruins have a surplus of young, talented prospect wingers that I would I'm more willing to give up a Heinen or a Coleman. If it, if it means that I can keep some of my, like, if I don't have to give up a Jack Stunica, mm-hmm. I don't have to give up a John Beecher. I, I would, if, what would the deal be if you're giving up Dan Heinen? Say it's a Chris Kreider deal. Chris Kreider, the Bruins have to give up Dan Heinen and what? Probably Eurovacanen at first and maybe a mid-tier prospect. You, you're giving, I think you, you have, have to. You to give up all no, of those? You might have to, yeah. You're telling me the Bruins have to give up a first-round pick, if, Danton Heinen, Erho yeah. Vakanen. Don't do that deal. If you're no. the Bruins, absolutely not. If that's the price, now, no. Now, you, I wouldn't mind if they involved Vakanen in a deal and that first, but I don't know if you do it for Danton Heinen. I think maybe Carson Coleman, who might have potential, but we're still unsure, even though we've seen glimpses of brilliance from him. I think we've seen more out of Heinen than we have out of Carson Coleman. True. I think with Coleman and Heinen, you kind of have some of the, the same thing. So you could part with one of them and still have that void 
filled by the other. So, like, basically what the Bruins are trying to fill is that top that top right wing, top mm-hmm. six right wing. And what you just listed was the, the steepest price. I don't know if you do yeah, that. You know what's going to happen. This is probably going to appear on HF boards, and I'm going to be a source. <laughs> like Tim Rosenthal, they have to give up 20 draft picks, yep. Danton Heinen, their whole third line, and Sean Corrali. You can get Chris Kreider. All right, so this is a sidebar here that I'm going to include in this. I never thought I'd do this ever again. I used to host a podcast uh, by, with a guy by the name of Chris Wassel, who lives in the New York, New Jersey area one time devil's fan so anyway this was a fantasy hockey podcast and during the 2013 lockout shortened season we were we had this segment um that we debuted called wtf trade proposals so we went on hf boards because you find tens of millions of those you probably find them on reddit too but at the time it wasn't as prevalent as it is today so hf boards First thing we see, a Sidney Crosby to the Flames proposal. This hmm. is at the time where they didn't have Johnny Goudreau. He, I think he was in the system, but he, uh, he wasn't there yet. This was at a time where Jerome McGinley was on his way out. And I still can't believe I'm saying this to the day, the proposal, Sidney Crosby to the Flames for 10 first-round picks. Who says no? <laughs> NHL uh, EA's NHL series doesn't because I don't think they can fit that in their cachet. I don't. I, I think they'd reject it too in a <laughs> I don't know if this happens, but there's a very real possibility that the Bruins pull a Celtics and do nothing at the deadline. Because if you think about it, right now the Bruins sit first place in the National Hockey League. They're the best team in the National mm-hmm. Hockey League by by points. If there's not a deal that's like really enticing Don Sweeney to make, there's a chance the Bruins don't do anything. Exactly. And we came in today to this recording a few days removed from the Toffoli trade, a few days removed from the Coleman trade. As of this recording, we even had the Brendan Dillon trade. Those were three targets. Now, Dillon was a defenseman. They didn't really have a defensive need, but he, I think he would have been an upgrade, say, if a Lozon. Jeremy Lozon didn't pan out, or if Connor Clifton had a setback in his injury, or in Eurovacana, if they deemed he would need a little more time in Providence. But besides that, I tend to think Sweeney's not going to sit out. He's going to be active, but whether he pulls the trigger or not, I don't know. Do you think, would you be disappointed if the Bruins do nothing? No, no, no. I mean, there are names to be had. So would you be disappointed that those names uh, wouldn't be coming in Boston? Yes, but it all is going to depend on the prices, too, as well. Here's the thing. The Bruins, to a fault, they believe in their guys. Mm-hmm. Like, they're the homegrown guys and the guys they have on the squad, they believe in them. So they're not really willing to give up a ton of prospects. You know what I mean? Yes. We, that's not really a thing that... I want to go through a list. This was tweeted out by Bruins Network. Shout out Bruins Network yesterday. Um, he gave his list of the top 10 Bruins prospects. And I'm going to say their names, and you're going to say you'd be willing to trade or not willing to trade. Mm-hmm. So number one, Jack Stunica. We already said it. No. Number two, Fred, <laughs> Trent Frederick. I tend to say no, but I don't want to roll it out, possibly. It all depends on the type of deal they have. Because you're going to look at the bottom six eventually. I'm going, you're going to need to fill those holes 
And I think Frederick, by then, he'll be grown into an NHL body. Whether he has the same success or not, I don't know. But you might be willing to ride or die with him at that point. But that's a couple years down the road. I'm, I'm willing to trade Trent Frederick. I've, I haven't seen, like, yes, he's young, but he's not, not yeah. that young no. anymore. So I, I've seen enough of Trent Frederick where I think the Bruins will be, they have a ton of center depth. Mm-hmm. Number three, John Beecher. No, not yet. Too Keep early. him. Way too Keep early. Him. Way too early. Number four, Erho Vakaninen. I'm going to say no right now because you look at the defensive depth after Vakanen and the prospect system I don't really like that that much here's an interesting one the Bruins just signed re-signed this guy Jeremy Lozon I thought it was very odd that they re-signed him especially right before the trade deadline but I think that's a two-way deal as I recall correct yes so it's a low risk high reward type of um, signing I believe I'm going to say no right now, but we can come back next year and we might change our minds. Oscar Steen. I would trade Oscar Steen. Yeah, I would too. You have some depth I think at he, the wing. They, they have so much depth at the I, wing. Yeah, I'd trade Steen more than I would Jacob Lauko. Yeah, I, I, I'm, keep, I'm keeping Lauko. I'm trading Steen. Zach Senishin, number eight. Uh, he's done well when he's been up in Boston, which is quite surprising because you look at his uh, success at the AHL level, I don't think it's been that good. I'm trading Zach Senesha. Yeah, and I think for that reason, you still have some uncertainty. If you're telling me a guy who's been up on the Bruins for a couple games here and there uh-huh. is the only thing standing between me and Chris Kreider, I'm, tr- I'm shipping you out. you got to make that move. That, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And then the last two... Their goalies, Kyle Kaiser and Jeremy Swayman. Way too early to even dis- include those in a trade. What about Axel Anderson? I'm yeah, high he's on not that included guy. On that list, and I know you covered him. One of your first assignments was that development camp a couple years ago. I know you were really impressed by him. He's like a mini Charlie McAvoy. The way like he's really good. I'm I'm holding on to him for now. I'm holding on to him. So there there's some. Hey, I'll make you an enticing deal. Here's my deal for Chris Kreider. Okay. I'll give you Trent Frederick, Zach Senishin, and a second-round pick. I don't think they take the second. I don't think they take the second because I don't think the Bruins have a second for that matter. Maybe they do. So maybe, a, what was it, 2021 second-round yeah. pick? But I think you have to add another draft pick on top of that if it's a 2021 second-rounder. What gets it done? So – Take I know the, a first will definitely get done. Whether you have to add another player okay, or not here's, on that list that's currently in the system, I don't know. Here's the, here's I'll sweeten the pot. First round pick, Trent Frederick, Zach Senishin for Chris Kreider. Do you do it? If I'm the Bruins, I do it. If I'm the Rangers, I, I don't know. If I'm the Bees, I'm doing it 100%. 100%. So, gun to your head, who do you think the Bruins are most likely to get? I would say Palmieri just because of the there might be a slight hesitation with Kreider a little bit because he was burned because when he was burned by that Rick Nash trade. But if it's Senishin and that first round pick and Lauko, I think he does that. I would have much rather giving up Trent Frederick than Lauko. I would say Senishin, Yeah. Frederick and But Frederick or Lauko, one Yeah. Do you think that gets 
I think that's a pretty good pretty good haul. Like we're giving up a decent amount of stuff. A first round pick and two good prospects. Yeah. And Sanchez, I think, needs to play at the NHL level right now to see what he's all about. I think his time in the AHL is done. So, yes, if I don't think Sanchez at first gets it done, but I think another prospect. And if he had a low-tier veteran, I'm sure they could take him as well. Well, I think it's, it really depends on how high other teams value Trent Frederick. I, I am of the understanding that, like, the Bruins organization, I guess, is – high on Trent Frederick mm-hmm. I'm not as sold on Trent Frederick well you've seen what he's done in Boston too and yes he lights it up in Providence but that's a different level as well what he's done in Boston he's been physical I think you gotta give him credit for that especially there was a time where uh, Bruins fans were calling for his call up because of their lack of physicality the lack of backing one another up as we saw when Tugaras got injured Here's here's the thing with Trent Frederick and Trent, if you're listening, I love you, but this is this is nothing personal. When Trent Frederick comes up to the Boston Bruins, does he add anything different that they already don't have? Other than like a little physicality here and there, mm-hmm. is is a lot of meh. It's still he's still young in his career. But, like, there's nothing that really blows me away about Trent Frederick when he's playing. Like, he can go for stretches where I don't even notice him on the ice. And that's not good, especially when you're playing on a one- to two-game basis and you're trying to make a name for yourself and you're trying to stick at the NHL. And I don't see you for 15 minutes out of a 20-minute period. That's not good. I don't know if you feel the same way, but... Well, if you look at his third line, if he's on a third line role, and that's all the role that he's given, he's not getting power play or penalty kill time, that's going to diminish his ice time. But at the same time, you have to make the most of whatever ice time you get, even if it's only just a minute. Well, here's another question I'm going to ask you. Say the Bruins, one of their center... Charlie Coyle's out for a couple games. Who's, you, who's the centerman that's filling in? You probably move up Sean Corrale to that third line, and then you stick with Par Lindholm. Say, okay, I agree 100%. Par Lindholm gets hurt, same time <laughs> Charlie Coyle gets hurt. Who are you bringing up? Or even Sean Corrale. Then you probably have to bring St- up Sunika, absolutely. See, we've already gone through three centermen that have gotten hurt. Yeah. And you haven't mentioned Trent Frederick. Right, exactly. So that's where I'm saying, like, they have tremendous center depth, and he, when he comes up, he hasn't been up in a while. No. So I think the Bruins can get rid of him. I honestly believe that. And I think if you're trying to, if you're telling me a cup, if we send away Trent Frederick for a Stanley Cup, I think everyone would do that 100 out of 100 Absolutely. times. Absolutely. 100 out of 100 times. You wouldn't, you think. Anyone in the city of Boston, like anyone on the sports talk radio, like Felger's going to be like, oh, no, we gave up Trent Frederick. Oh, no, I guess we're just going to win another Stanley Cup. No, he'll go back to hating Danton Heinen instead for <laughs> no reason at all. No, True. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, in terms of Heinen, we're getting back to this point again. Yes, uh, he doesn't score his main goals, but he's only being paid, what, two-something True. Year? I And I like that third line. That third line of Bjork, Coyle, and Heinen, they're a great offensive puck possession line, and they can create quality looks, and they all three are skilled players where they're probably going to win that third line matchup against whatever team a majority of the time. I think that's going to be a huge matchup for the Bruins down the road. That third line is going to be difference in a lot of games. 
Now, here's another question. Let's say something happens on the second line, like DeBrus goes down. Would you put Coyle up there? That's a tough one because, yes, you have Heinen, you have Bjork. I don't think they, those two skate as well when they're skating with Krejci as even Charlie Coyle. That is a good question. I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm kind of stopped. I'm trying to do the, the math in my head here because I mean, when Coyle moved up earlier, it was to play alongside DeBrusque and Krejci. Yep. So if you're, if your second line, if you're the Bruins, is two centermen and Carson Kuhlman, who's really a third liner, that's kind of a tough sell. Yeah, but you're going to have to move someone up. And- so I think, I think you move up like a, an Anders Bjork to play alongside because I think his speed and game kind of fits the Coolman vibe. And then I think you you move like a Sean Corrale up to that third line, play wing, and put Bar Lindholm in there. It's not great. No. It's not great. And you know what just came to my mind? We've gone this whole podcast, and we haven't talked about what the Bruins are going to do with David Backus. Yes. Do you think exactly. they ship, ship him out? I mean, that's an interesting conundrum, too, because you don't know if, A, teams are willing to take on even half of that salary, because even... It's a hefty contract. Yeah, it's $6 million for the next two years, and even half of that is $3 million, and the Bruins will, would have to retain 50%, I would think. Don't... Uh, I, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say no, because it could be a throw-in, but I, I think the likely move is they wait until the draft. I don't know. I don't even know what you do with David Backus at this point. He's not playing in Providence. If teams have interest in in David Backus, I think you ship him out if you're the Bruins because he's not going to be playing at the NHL level. No. He's not playing in the AHL level. He's kind of in purgatory right now. I mean, I don't even know what he's doing. I mean, for teams that are on the cap floor, and this is where I think they wait until the draft to move them, then they might be willing to take on at least half of that salary. But uh, in terms of trade deadline, no, I don't think that because it's going to be moved at all. I don't know if you saw this. There's a report. I forget where I saw it. That some teams did have interest in David Backus. I did see that, yes. I don't know if they're insane or not, but like, if you're a GM, why would you want David back? Aside from veteran leadership and being a good locker room presence, which he is, and he, in spurts, he does play well, I think. And we saw even when he came back, it scored a key goal against the Habs in a spurts game back this season following the collision, the unfortunate collision with Saber. That was a pretty good feel-good moment, I think. But now I, he doesn't have anything left. I agree. Here's the thing with David Backus. If I'm an opposing GM, I'm giving up assets that I own for a guy to take on the same contract that he has in Boston. That's a $6 million contract. That's yeah. a heavy cap hit. You probably won't take on the whole thing. You'll probably take on half of it if you're doing a deal. But you're giving up assets to take on a big contract for a guy who is not playing. He's not playing. He's not playing hockey right now. He's right. not in the AHL. He's not in the NHL. And that's why if they move him, you're going to see a deal like a Patrick Marlowe deal from the draft where Toronto not only had to retain salary, they had to give up a draft pick. Now, I think it was a lower-tier draft pick, mind you. But that's another prospect not coming through that system. What do you even get in return for David Backus? 
Like, Probably uh, like uh, low round draft pick down the road. Hey, it's a, it's a more draft picks than you, you yeah. had before. You're 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 not getting um, more than when you ship him. Obviously, you're going to be getting less when you ship him than anything. But so you don't think the Bruins are going to move Backus? Not at the deadline, no. I do. I we can ask this question again in the draft, and I think if you look at teams who are near the cap floor, I think that's when we can start the discussion. Okay. Uh, but it, then you look. He only has one more year left at um, next season. It's the last year on his contract, so I think teams would be willing to at least take a somewhat of a gamble. I guess. True. I'm just. I'm thinking in Don Sweeney's shoes right now, it would be, especially with DeBrusque, Krug, and say you land a guy like Chris Kreider, mm-hmm. it would be so nice to get that money off your books moving forward. Oh, yeah. It would do them wonders. And if you have an opportunity, it would be fantastic. Well, you not only have Krug and DeBrusque, but you have Andrew Spiork and Matt Grizzlick. True. For new deals. Yeah, but I mean, I think... I'm less worried about Anders Bjork and Grizzlick because mm-hmm. they're not being paid yeah. a king's ransom. And here's the thing. If they lose Krug, you probably put Matt Grizzlick up on that top power play unit and you have him on that second defensive unit with Carlo. It depend- I-, I think they should keep Krug. And again, we'll discuss this later down the road. But mm-hmm. I think if you need a clone copy, you have one right in front of you in Matt Grizzlick. If everything hit uh, if crap hits the fan true and i mean there's a lot of big decisions don sweeney and the bruins have to make not only in this next week but in the, in the months to come so now before we uh close things out i want to ask a couple of interesting names joe thornton wouldn't that be interesting? I don't think it doesn't fit the need, but my God, that would be wild. If that would be back. a trip down memory lane, just straight nostalgia. Like me growing up, when I was watching the Bruins, the team was Joe Thornton and Sergei Samsonov yep. and Andrew Raycroft. That was my bread and butter. And I remember a young Patrice Bergeron was just climbing. Yes, that uh, says, yeah, well, commercial when he went across the bridge on the Zamboni. That was Raycroft. Yeah, that that was my childhood. Yep. So, and then they traded Sergey and Joe Thornton in like two days, if I remember correctly. They traded yeah, them back to back days. It was November. And this is where history comes in. November of 2005 was the Thornton trade. I think a couple months later was Samsonov. But, I I mean, at the time we thought, what are the Bruins doing trading Joe Thornton? In the end, it saved him cap space to sign Zidane Char, to sign Mark Savard even, and um, give uh, the hub of hockey really a newfound life. To answer your question, Joe Thornton's not coming to the Bruins. They, no. <laughs> it's just, it's just, it feels no need. They still have the same problems. And, like, no. It, it would be great. No, no. Ask us this if there's injuries happening between now and the trade deadline. Then yeah. maybe we have to reconvene. But no. No, it's it's not happening. So who else you got? Ilya Kovalchuk. They could have had him for free. And he's had a bit of a renaissance in Montreal. First off, Ilya Kovalchuk, no chance. It's not happening. Get it out of your mind. No chance. No chance. I mean, the the Bruins, you said it themselves. Like, the Bruins could have had him for free. Why would they give up assets for a guy they could have had for free? Well, this wouldn't be the first time where they would 
encounter such a thing. A few years back, I think it was Sweeney's first season, Lee Stemniak, you remember him, right? Oh, we re-signed He was uh, on a PTO um, at training camp. Then he signed with the Devils. A few months later at the trade deadline, he acquires Lee Stemniak for like a second round pick. That's another name. Do you think they're (laughs) bringing Stemniak back? uh, One more two letters. N-O. Yeah, I think I think those names, they're more of a, a pipe dream than anything. So I I think when it really comes down to it, I think the Bruins' targets are going to be Kreider and Paul Mary. I think those are the two. But it wouldn't surprise me. Don Sweeney goes off the radar like last year with Marcus Johansson gets a, like a lower tier guy. But at the same time, I think they really need a top six guy. Mm-hmm. I think they need it like. A Marcus Johansson, I don't know if that exists this year. I don't know if that exists. Uh, There might be reports that Kossi out of Anaheim could be available. That would be interesting. Yeah. A young guy. He still has some potential. I don't think he's a top six forward quite yet, but at the same time, if it means... If, if if you get another young guy in the system, I mean, it creates competition, that internal competition. And this Bruins team, everyone in the locker room, young and old, have thrived on internal competition this year. Big time. Well, Matt, we had a lot to discuss during that trade deadline episode. A lot of names, and a lot of intriguing names, a lot of prospect discussion. I think it's time for a refresher. What do you think? Absolutely. What do you got? Now, I want to thank our... Fine friends over at Harpoon for shipping us a, a sample of the new black and gold ale that they partner with Chris Wagner and the Bruins with. And this is my first time trying it. I don't know about you. Yeah, no, I haven't. I've seen it on the market, the market, but I've uh, never had it, so I'm excited. Now, if we had a drinking game, uh, every time you heard Matt try to imitate a Boston accent, that would be about five drinks right now. So, <laughs> But please, dr- drink responsibly. Well, and since we pour this, these are nice tall boys, by the way, and I'm sure you could pick these up at whatever grocery, uh, liquor store near you. Now, here we go. Cheers. Cheers. That's so smooth. I'm a big fan of Harpoon, so... Yep. Yeah, no, it's delicious. And not overly hoppy, too, either. So if, for those who don't like overly hoppy stuff like me, well, you're in luck with this beer. Kid, it's Harpoon, it's Chris Wagner, it's the Bruins, kid. What's not like? What's not to like? Oh, God. I think we're going into that. That's another five drinks, and again, please drink responsibly. For Matt, I'm Tim. We'll see you next time. We belong to-